Truth is, I am Iron Man. I solemnly swear that I am up to no good. What is going on? What are you doing? To infinity and beyond! This is the way. The flux capacitor! Is Star Wars the one with the little wizard boy? Chewie, we're home. Avengers! Assemble. Ah, oh, chills. Literal chills. Hello, fellow fans to United We Fan, the podcast. I'm Mark, and united with me is my co-host, the fabled Brian. What up, Brian? Hey, everyone. Hey, on the last episode, Brian and I discussed season two of The Mandalorian. On this week's episode, we'll be discussing Zack Snyder's Justice League. But first, thank you all for uniting with us as we talk about all things fandom. Please give us a rate or review wherever you listen so we can unite with more fans out there. UWF is partnered up with the This Diz Life podcast family. Lots of wonderful podcasts and people over there, including live shows. Check us all out. And Brian, isn't there one special show on there about a bunch of weirdos? Yeah, so Earth's Mightiest Weirdos, completely renamed. But other than that, it's the same show that we've been doing uh, for the Marvel shows. Right now, my work schedule has been a little bit crazy. And Mark, I know your schedule has been a little bit crazy, too. So we do apologize to everybody that this episode has taken a little longer than we wanted to. But thank you for uh, listening to us. And again, please let us know what you think. But Earth's Mightiest Weirdos is everywhere you find your podcast as well. Um, Just simply search Earth's Mightiest Weirdos. And we discuss all things Marvel. Um, and the first episode of that podcast network um, started with the first episode review of the Falcon and Winter Soldier. And we will continue that weekly as new Marvel content comes out. So definitely subscribe, rate, listen, let us know what you think. It's a lot of fun doing that show. And of course, we take live comments, um, inputs, questions. Brian's our definite go to know it guy who always luckily has a theory if we ever have a question. So Check us all out. It's a fun time. I don't always have an answer, but I can always give you my thought because that's what I like to do. Yeah. I mean, if you're feeling Darcy and... I don't know. I don't know. And I don't know. Or if you're just tired of people saying, Mephisto, 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 Mephisto. Just, Brian's got other answers for you. Say, is that the French version of Mephisto? Mephisto. I don't even know where I went there. I think that was Italian. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> We're going to move on before I um, hurt anybody else's ears with my impressions. In Mark and Brian's world news, Kenneth Branagh, one of my favorite directors, he did the first Thor, he did the live-action Cinderella, he did one of Brian's favorite films, Artemis Fowl. Um, he <laughs> he uh, is going to be taking on the Bee Gees in a new biopic film. I've mentioned quite a bit the Bee Gees documentary on HBO. Check it out if you haven't. So the Bee Gees and Kenneth Branagh makes me so happy. I think the only thing that would be the cherry on top is for Piano Rob on his quarantunes to be playing some more Bee Gees. One day. I know he's working on it for me. I appreciate him. I just thought you were going to ask Kenneth Branagh to, to produce a film on Piano Rob. You know, I, hey, you know, Kenneth, if you're out there, Mr. Branagh, um, have our people contact your people. We'll get in touch with Rob for you. We can make a quick deal. Real easy. We have people? That's awesome. Shh, Brian, don't say that. Yes, yeah, we, we totally have people. <laughs> we're, we're there. You know, one man and his piano 
entertains the world during the darkest times. I could see it. I'm in. Yeah. All right. Other exciting news. Black Widow. Brian, we finally know when we get to experience adventure with the Black Widow on July 9th. And you'll even have variety. Brian, how are you going to be watching it? I'm going to do both. I'm So July 9th, I mean, can I take a victory lap on this? I'm, I mean, it took a while to get to it. But Ooh. regardless, July 9th, so Black Widow is being delayed from May 7th to July 9th. Um, it's going to be in theaters and on Disney Plus Premier Access. So I'm going to do opening night. Um, I miss Marvel opening nights. I should be immunized by that point in time. A lot of people will be, and that's the reason they're pushing it back. Um, July 9th was occupied by Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. That got pushed back to September 3rd. Um, and then the rest of the Marvel slate has stayed put. So Black Widow, July 9th, Disney Plus. I will purchase it for my many rewatches. Um, but I absolutely will go out to the theater to check it out, hopefully on opening night, at least opening weekend. Yeah, I'm with you. I will be watching in the Dolby Theater for sure. As of now, it'll be the only Premier Access purchase I make on the Disney Plus. So You're not buying Cruella on Premier Access, huh? That one I will go see <laughs> in theaters. Um, thank you, AMC, for your discount days or your A-list. I think I'll be even starting A-list back up thanks to Black Widow. But, you know, I, Emma Stone is one of my celebrity crushes, and I think the movie looks wonderful. It does not look like a Harley Quinn-esque role. I don't, God, that still fires me up. Mm-hmm. But anyways, now, it'll, as of now, Black Widow is the only premiere access. So, other Marvel news, Falcon and Winter Soldier. <laughs> We are two episodes in as of the premiere of this episode. And Brian, I you know what? Let's play a fun game. I'm going to guesstimate how what your average is for the first two shows viewing. Actually, you know what? Let's play over under. I like over under more. For each episode, you've watched, uh, man, seven <laughs> times. Am I over under? Oh, under. I'm I'm under seven. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, the first episode, I think I'm at seven, actually. But the second episode, I mean, it's only, at the time of this recording, it's only been out for two days. So I may get to seven, but it's a lot harder of a, of a rewatch from a number of standpoint, just because they're double the length of the WandaVision right. episodes. So, um, but I'm at four for the second episode right now. And for all of you who are not part of our fun, private, Earth's Mightiest Weirdos Marvel conversation, um, the guys in that group, we, we, we have a running joke every time one of us um, checks off another watching. So a little fun <laughs> secret from the, the weirdo chat. Yeah, but I mean, if we're going to do Earth's Mightiest Weirdos, I need to be able to quote the lines and be familiar with everything that's coming on. It's, it's research. Yep. I I think even the makers of the show will go, wait, did we actually do that? I mean, Brian <laughs> said it. Let's fact check that. Oh, yeah, Brian's right. So that's how well in tuned Brian is to this show, people. So definitely check out Earth's Mightiest Weirdos. Kevin Feige, but, Malcolm Spellman, give me a call if you need any insight. 
Yes, um, I am Brian's people, so please call me. <laughs> Contact I'll my people. You, yes, I'll, I'll get you in touch with them. If I mean, if you even want to make a new Marvel series based on Piano Rob, those <laughs> keys are magic, and with his magic, he saves the world. Piano player Ooh. by night yeah. and superhero by day, but the piano playing has to be at night. It's the opposite of Batman. The voice of an angel, the fingers of a god, Piano Rob <laughs> saves the world. These are spirit fingers. <laughs> spirit fingers. <laughs> Anyways, way off topic. Falcon and Winter Soldier. Brian, um, you feeling it? Oh, it's great. It's so good. It's so different than WandaVision. Um, yeah. It's venturing into places that I, I mean, I... Reading between the lines, you kind of knew it was coming, especially with Malcolm Spellman running, being the the showrunner. It's going to touch on a lot of things that are politically and culturally relevant right now. And some people don't love that. I personally am completely fine with it. I really yep. enjoy what this show is doing and the entire way in which everything is being depicted. I love the character that is Bucky right now. Like, I just, I love the how vulnerable he's he's being just applaud to sebastian stan and the performance that he's giving that's just absolutely jumping off the screen and same with anthony mackie playing sam wilson it's so good i love how much material we're getting from the show backstory on the characters and sebastian stan because i feel like we never really got to see him still like hurting and still mentally trying to transition. You know, we saw him at the end being the white wolf and then in infinity war and then end game, you know, we never really got to see him still dealing with the trauma. So I'm glad we could see that. And then Anthony Mackie, I'm so glad he's this character because I know they brought a lot of Louisiana because of him from where he was born and just being from New Orleans, this makes me so happy to see even more. So I'm loving the show. I can't wait to see where it goes. I think the only thing that upsets me is the show count. I want this to be a full 24-episode season, just like broadcast television. <laughs> but I know. Oh, man. It'll be interesting like. to see where the, it'll be so interesting to see where it goes. I, I mean, you think about all the stuff that they've already set up with only four episodes to wrap it up. I'm uh, I'm very, very interested. I'm there. And if you guys have theories, please, like I said, turn into Earth's Mightiest Weirdos. We definitely talk about it a lot more. There are spoilers, so be ready for that. We, you know, we're dissecting the episode, so there's going to be spoilers. I will do my best not to use harsh language whenever... I see that one guy who's carrying the shield. Language. <sighs> Anyways, Falcon and Winter Soldier. Good stuff, good stuff. Speaking of Marvel, currently, well, I just finished a podcast on XM Radio called Marvel Declassified. It's a great, like, history and modern lessons about Marvel. I loved it. It's got some fun facts in there. And then I'm currently listening to Marvel Voices, which talks about just different voices who are writing different stories involved in different aspects of Marvel, just to show how many different background of people involved with Marvel they have now. So both podcasts highly recommend very insightful, especially about the Marvel universe. Yeah. Marvel voices is great. If you watch behind the mask on Disney plus, if that's something that you enjoyed, Marvel voices is absolutely something that you will enjoy as well. 
Yeah. I mean, it's on XM, which I know, me personally, I wish it was on Spotify, but I'm currently enjoying a somewhat free three-month trial. Friends, I'm going to get a little personal with you. XM Radio offered me a free three-month trial, and they didn't tell me it was activated right away, so I got it midway through activated, and they, according to their guest service, couldn't adjust it, so... There's another hot take for you. Not not great guest service. So, XM, if you would like to contact my people, Brian is ready for your phone call or email <laughs> to assist you with your concerns. <laughs> I digress. The Suicide Squad. We got some cute new posters, a fun preview. Idris Elba, I love that man. I wish he would have been cast as Lex Luthor, but I digress. We're going to get to see those bunch of a-holes on August 6th. Brian, did the preview do anything for you? It actually wasn't as aggressive as I expected the preview to be. And I think that's honestly a good thing. I'm glad the 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 entire movie, at least from at this point, I'm sure the movie's gonna be pretty aggressive, but it's not they're not going that way with the marketing just quite yet. I the surprise of everything is Taika Waititi is not the voice of King Shark. And the voice <laughs> of King Shark is none other than Sylvester Stallone. So we still don't know who Taika Waititi is playing. Um, There's a rumor he's the voice of Starro, which is the villain, which is the giant starfish in the trailer. Um, But I I heard that's not true either. So I'm very excited to find out Taika and who he's going to be. But that movie looks just outrageous. But it says right on every poster, don't get too attached. So, I mean, we know John Cena's character is going to make it out alive because he's getting his own tv show on hbo max uh entitled the peacemaker which is his character but beyond that it might get a little rough brian the original suicide squad where does that rank for you as far (laughs) as the dceu movies the bottom the middle top it is second to last probably i dislike that film i don't i don't want to ask what your bottom one is i feel like you know what okay let's do it what is your bottom one batman versus superman I hate you. Anyways, we're going to move on now. So the Suicide Squad, a lot of fun. Um, I'm quite proud of myself. I put the King Shark poster on our Instagram storyline. Follow us. It's a lot of fun. And (laughs) Brian, did you happen to catch the song I put with it? I didn't. I definitely put Baby Shark with it. (laughs) Of course you did. (laughs) Well, okay. I originally, I wanted to put the LL Cool J, um, was it Shark Fin from Deep Blue Sea? Yeah. And Instagram and Facebook didn't have that option. So, shame on Shark. Hmm. Maybe Shark it was. But you brought up Sylvester Stallone, the man, the myth, the legend. We did bring up our Mount Rushmore, Random Rushmore on our last episode was Rocky Films. And we had a couple people ask us if we could just rank the whole Rocky um, series. So, Brian, you want to go first? You want me to go first so I can give you some time to think on it? I think I'm ready. I think it goes first is Rocky 1, then Rocky 4, then 2, no, then Creed, then Rocky 2, then Creed 2, then Rocky 3, then Rocky 5. Where and then Rocky, that? no, Rocky Balboa, then Rocky 5. Well, all right. Well, you kind of we were we were not too far off, and then you just did a Brian and just ruined everything. Yeah. Well. So, 
what I got is Rocky One, Creed, Rocky Four, Rocky Balboa. So there's my Mount Rushmore right there. And then Creed Two. I just oh man, that is just it's so good bringing up the children into it. I thought that storyline was great. And then rounding out the bottom three is Rocky Two. I it's it's if I remember I went back and I rewatched it after we talked about this. And you have the beginning where they pretty much replay the last I, I feel like it's the last seven minutes of the first movie. And then there's a lot of Rocky kind of finding himself, so not much happened. So the story just kind of drags. So that's why Rocky Two is at the bottom three for me. And then Rocky Two, Rocky Three, and then Rocky Five. But I I still think this is one of the best film series ever made. Definitely top ten. I just don't know what I'm missing with Rocky Balboa. I mean, I can understand. I mean, we both have Rocky Five last, but Rocky yeah. Balboa just does not do it for me. When's the last time you watched it? Oh, it's been a while. See, Brian, you're at a different age now where you might be able to relate to certain aspects of Rocky Balboa. Moving on to another motivational sports story, The Mighty Duck. <laughs> Game Changers, now on Disney+. Plus. Episode 1 is out. I forgot the show was coming out. And if you tuned into our UWF Plus premiere, Brian, you and I weren't like the biggest on it. But Episode 1 came out, and I was very excited to watch it. I, I didn't know it was going to be a um, once-a-week show, so I'm happy about that. I'm liking that formula. Yeah, I mean, it was about what I expected. I do like Lauren Graham. Um, so I'm curious to see where they go there. I want more Gordon Bombay, but I, I expect to get that as we go. I mean, par for the course at this point, it kind of ended a little bit funky, like just yeah. kind of a just kind of an odd ending. But it's it's a it's a kid's show. So, I mean, it is what it is. I I liked it a lot. I know we're going to talk more about it with our UWF plus series. So I'm excited, but I liked it a lot. I finished it i was about to watch it again <laughs> victory i know i was about to watch it again and uh, not i don't think it's a spoiler you know when they're announcing all the teams that are in the league and i go i wonder if the hawks are still a thing and then the hawks showed up they even got a new logo so i was gonna say they were red that bummed me out like i want to go black and white i that and then <laughs> I don't know why, but I never even thought about how the league was mainly birds. It's like all birds. Yeah, yeah, yeah like the, the Cardinals and the Cardinals. Eagles and the Hawks, yeah. I don't know how I missed that, but they were announcing all the teams to come onto the ice. I'm like, bird, bird. <laughs> you had the Bears. I mean, you got a little bird. bit. Oh, yeah, you did have – okay, good. We have some variety there. <laughs> <laughs> so, Gordon Bombay, I – I liked his intro. I'm curious to see what happened to him between Mighty Ducks 3 and now. Yeah. And I definitely relate to him. Um, mild spoiler with the cake scene and <laughs> the Wreck It Ralph cake scene. <laughs> How old? Oh, the kid? Oh, the cake. Oh. A couple of yeah. hours. Yeah, that's fine. Still good. <laughs> but yeah, the Mighty Ducks Game Changers, Disney Plus, check it out. And if you want to hear more. Check out our recent UWF Plus episode where Brian and I will be chatting the Flying V up a little bit. We also just want to, um, here on United We Fan, just express 
our condolences and uh, to Jessica Walters' family, the actress that played Lucille Bluth on Arrested Development, passed away this week as well. So rest in peace to Jessica Walter. She will be missed, definitely. Uh, very funny woman. I I remember when I found out that she was the same person, because I watched Arrested Development before I watched Archer. And I, I don't know how, but at first I didn't put her as the same person. So when I found out it was the same person, I just said how epic and amazing she is. So, yes, um, you will be missed. Thank you for all the positives and all the just all the humors. I I use her gif of her winking, winking like the blues, like having mm-hmm. a hard time winking. She is the gif queen. There is uh, there's no there's no debate about that. Definitely. And Mark Bryan's world polls. My most recent one was, and I do these on my social media account to find out what my friends are thinking. And usually I'm not thinking the same thing, but that's what makes it fun. My most recent one was most overrated Broadway musical and top three in order. Winners were cats. Everyone felt was the most overrated followed by dear Evan Hansen. And I, I'm pretty sure Mark out there is, he's not loving that. And then third place was Greece. You're not the one that I want. (laughs) Well, I, (laughs) I I thought Hamilton was going to go further that that I think only made it like to the second round. And I thought the theater snobs were just going to blast Les Mis and Phantom. They made it kind of far, but not like the finals. I knew Cats was going to go far. Dear Evan Hansen, I didn't think it should have. I didn't think it needed to be in the finals. Greece definitely needed to be in the finals. I think if anyone's actually seen that stage production, the storyline is just god awful. The movie is what saves it. But cats i'm not loving that i didn't i didn't think that needed to be in the final either so i guess but i mean this is coming from a guy who you know one of his favorite musicals is spider-man turn off the dark so you know i guess take my opinion what whatever you want it to be so what about what about rent should that have been further in your most overrated i've heard that from some people i thought rent should have definitely been um elite eight material Final four material. Frankie, if you're out there listening, I, I know Frankie would have happily had Rent probably win. Lion King, I think, should have been in the finals. Check out Mark and I. We did a Broadway podcast or Broadway Broadway YouTube episode where he, he got some honest opinions from me about Lion King. Yeah, yeah you, were, I think, you were a little harsh to Lion King in those episodes. You know but what's you, funny? But it was fair. It was fair. I remember Mark thought I was going to be a little more like... <laughs> brutal to the show i i held my punches yeah rent that's a good point i think that one should have gone further and lion king should have gone further i didn't have more recent shows like Hades town or um moulin rouge because i felt that was too new and didn't get really a chance for people to check it out so is, is moulin rouge new um it came out like within a year of broadway closing Oh, for okay. COVID. So, yeah, I just assumed it would have been an older show. Check it out. Let me know your thoughts for all you theater passionate people out there. Feel free to come at me. You leave Brian alone. He's not a theater person. You bring all the hate to me. So you could, you could bring it to me. I mean, I'll just give you a thumbs up or a heart or, or whatever. Yeah. We can go on because I don't know what you're going to say. Yeah. 
Brian Brian happily saw Aladdin the musical. He also saw Book of Mormon. <laughs> I've seen so, Book of Mormon and I've seen Aladdin and yeah. Wicked like 15 years ago. There you go. Mark from This Is Life and I are going to hopefully kidnap Brian and take him to the Great White Way Broadway one day and hopefully change his life. Hey, if I don't have to pay for it, I'm in. There you go. Well, Brian, let me ask you this. Would you go see a musical about one man and his piano, his fingers from the gods and his voice from the angels, Piano Rob the Musical? I am in, 100%. Does it end in a wedding? <laughs> Why did I think of the Muppets Take Manhattan when you said that? <laughs> Is that what you were going for? Is that the reference or no? That is 100% what I was going for. Yay. Somebody's <laughs> getting married. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you all for tuning in to us. Please stay with us. There's still more to the show. Rob's probably and, the only still listening, but he's probably really enjoying it. I hope so. God, I feel like we need to, you know what? We got to get in touch with Rob's people about a Rob episode for United We Fan. I think Rob that's got a lot of people. I feel like he does. This episode, we should just call it the Rob, Piano Rob episode Zack snyder i do apologize about your justice league but we're talking a whole bunch about piano rob today you'll understand the piano rob cut yeah Ooh. oh man what if piano rob did a black and white corn tunes it'd be as pointless as the Zack snyder one wow well that's not my hot take but that's a good segue to in mark and brian's hot take of the episode feeling brian and i started off where just Things that get our ovens turned on to full blast, our fires flaming, our... Well, I got nothing else. But anyways, (laughs) here's our episode hot take. Brian, would you like the honor? No, no, no. I want the honors. Go ahead. I'm not going to be polite here. Ready? I've been holding on to this. Speaking of this Diz Life, they recently did a poll of favorite Disney World attractions. What was the winner, Brian? Expedition Everest. And here's what I'm going to say. The current form of Expedition Everest is not even a top 10 Walt Disney World attraction. Oh, if get you have, out of here. If you have the Yeti, then top five. No Yeti, not even top 10. There's my hot take. Come at me, Disney people. The Yeti has nothing to do with how enjoyable the ride and the roller coaster is. I mean, I'll give you the thing of the aesthetics but Disco Yeti, Betty the Yeti, <laughs> she is fine in her current state. I don't want that attraction to go down for the amount of time it's going to take to fix it. No. Uh, that Dude, that roller coaster is amazing. I have no idea what you're talking about. It's not even the best roller coaster at Walt Disney World. Okay. Yeah, there's a little the mini hot take for you, Brian. What what is the best one? Rock and roller coaster, I hope, is the only other one you're going to let be on there. Yep. That's what I was gonna say. Rock and roller coaster. I just think the vehicles are great with the limos when you walk out of Studio C. I love that idea. And you're in the alleyway, which I think is just great. And then oh man, that dark tunnel. And then you see a, a little glimmer of a black light at the end. You're like, what is happening? And then the music just takes off and everything. And I still, my favorite song to launch to is Back in the Saddle again. So, but I I think what can hold back Rock and Roller Coaster is just Aerosmith, you know, just the youngins 
don't know them as much anymore. Even the Aerosmith song, I feel like, doesn't have as much of an impact on these people anymore. I can't believe how timely both of our hot takes are. <laughs> because my hot take is I'm ready for Aerosmith to go from Rock and Roller Coaster. Was that really? Did you have that plan? Genuinely, a conversation I was having today, and I'm ready for Aerosmith to go. I think that something like I don't I don't know like I mean it would have been a good Guardians replacement like obviously Guardians is getting their own roller coaster so I'm fine with that but I would love to update it to a band that people know now I mean I know and people still know Aerosmith Mark you're like a 90 year old man trapped in a something 30 something year old's body so when it comes to music tastes and, and things like that um, I think it would be legit if it was NSYNC or something like that. Um, wow. I, I just, Aerosmith doesn't do it for the younger generation. Can't believe, one, you're coming at me about being old man taste, and then you go with NSYNC, and then you are assuming that the younger crowd <laughs> would would be okay with NSYNC. Okay, well, I don't want, like, I don't know. BTS or whoever those people I, I need to know who they I, are. I mean, I okay, George Strait, fine. That's what I want. I want George Strait. I got some ocean front property in Arizona. From my front porch, you can see the sea. I, got some I actually would have been okay five. with a um, Jonas Brothers version. And I know yep. a lot of people are going to hate on it, but their newer music, that album, It'll be it'll it'll move you on that ride. Little cake by the ocean, little DNCE, just Joe Jonas or whichever Jonas brother that one was. I mean, you know which current epic artist who's out there. I would be happy if this person would uh, take over that ride. Any guesses? She's busy being the next X Men. <gasps> oh man, if she became that character in the X Men, I would be <laughs> the Dazzler. Oh, man. <laughs> That's just perfect casting. Perfect Taylor, casting. Taylor Swift will eventually just have her own theme park at Disney World anyway. So, yeah. Or she'll just take over Dollywood, maybe. Oh, Brian, do not upset the Dolly Parton fan crowd. Ooh. <laughs> I, I like Dolly, but eventually, like, Ooh, Dolly's oh, not no, going to. Brian, no. Miss <laughs> Parton, you are a amazing woman. That is true. I... I do not know how we don't have a biopic movie of her. That's what I want to know. Um, is it biopic but, or biopic? I thought it was biopic. This might be a good poll. I, I mean, <laughs> I'll be I'll be happy to admit if I'm wrong. Biopic. I like biopic. Wait, what did you say? I think it's biopic. I thought it was biopic. biopic like biography. Biopic. biopic sounds like some kind of surgery. Like, hey, I'm going in for my biopic today. I just rode Everest and I was really disappointed. So I need a biopic. That's what yeah, you. See? That's what you. That's what you like about it. Oh, okay. I. <laughs> I don't know. Biopic. Biopic. You know what? We're, we may have to throw this on the board. We're gonna make right. a board for this. So, but anyways, <laughs> Sorry. Dolly Parton, Sorry if your people rails. are out there and would like to talk to our people, um, you know, Piano Rob can even play some of your tunes for us. So just get in touch with our. We're just volunteering Piano Rob for everything today. Thanks, so. Rob. Ooh, piano Rob the roller coaster. How did we not think of that? <laughs> <laughs> piano Rob in Studio C record, <laughs> recording um, over at Jelly Rolls or something. Yes, 
I, that, that would be awesome. Potential. All I know right. that guy. <laughs> I know that guy. All right. Well, that was our episode hot take. That was funny that it timed or that it lined up like that. Not even lying. That is that was my plan all along. Feeling well, we're going to move on to the actual topic for this episode. And believe it or not, it's not Piano Rob. Um, <laughs> we're going to be talking about Zack Snyder's Justice League. I think before we start this, we need to know what your DCEU Mount Rushmore is. I know this is already going to fire me up, but I think we also need to let people know. One, Brian, do you like DC movies? Two, do you like Zack Snyder? I think we've done this once before, and yeah. if you're cross-referencing out my Mount Rushmore, then I'm sorry if it's not the same. Yeah. Um, but I think I'm going to go DCEU, um, Wonder Woman, Shazam are my one-two. Um, Wonder Woman 1984 is not even close to sniffing that. Um, I think, I mean... Birds of Prey and the Emancipation something, the fantabulous <laughs> Emancipation of Harley Quinn. Like, I thought that movie was enjoyable. I don't know if it's top four. Uh, Man of Steel, I think I would put in my in my Mount Rushmore. And... <gasps> Brian, really Brian, like... wait, 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 wait. We almost have the same Mount Rushmore, depending on what you put for number four. What do you what do you think my number four is? I wanted you to guess my my Mount Rushmore before I got going, but I got a little too sidetracked. No, 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 you're good. Honestly, I I thought your Mount Rushmore was going to be Wonder Woman, Shazam, Aquaman, and Man of Steel. I think is what I was going to get guess for your Mount Rushmore. Yeah, and I don't love how Zack Snyder treats Superman in general. And we'll talk about that in this episode. Um, yeah, no, I, I, Aquaman probably is, is my number four. Um, DCEU. Yeah. Um, does Joker count? I might put no. that. Okay. No. If it's not DCEU, then yeah, then I will go with uh, Aquaman. Do you like DC movies then, Brian? Or are you just a, a Marvel mainly guy? I, I, if DC does it, I love Shazam. Like I genuinely love Shazam. I I really like Wonder Woman. The third act prevents me from loving it quite the same. Um, but I would rather watch Wonder Woman than Captain Marvel. Wow. I would rather watch Wonder Woman than Ant Man and the Wasp. Wow. You know, so, I, I mean, I'm not arguing with either of those. I agree with you there. I like Shazam a lot. That's my favorite DC film by by quite a bit. Yeah, I mean, I like Zack Snyder. I liked his extended cut of Watchmen. I still really like 300. Sucker Punch. Oh, man, that movie hurt. Um, <laughs> the Legends I of like Gaul. Yeah, The Legends of Gaul, the Owl movie. I, I think he definitely was ahead of his time with a very adult animated film about owls. If you ever wondered what Hedwig did when he's not delivering messages for Harry... Check out that movie. Such an um, sentence. An oh. adult movie about owls. Yeah. I, animated. Yeah. <laughs> like, of course, Zack Snyder does that, you know. So for mine, you know, we had Wonder Woman. That was easy for me to be in the Mount Rushmore. I quite enjoy Wonder Woman. 19, was it 84? 85. 84. 85? 84, <laughs> thank you. 1985. Right. That might 19, be better than 1984. 19, 
1985. <laughs> Anyways, getting off tangent there. Um, I that movie missed the mark, and it's actually probably it might even be like bottom Rushmore that one. It's rough. Yeah, I I really wanted to defend it. I will say seeing it in theaters helped me enjoy it more, but overall, like thinking about it, anyways. So Shazam, that's also my Mount Rushmore. I it's so much fun. I I have no problems with it whatsoever. And then Man of Steel, I defend that movie quite a bit. I love Hans Zimmer's score for that movie. But my number four, and I shout out to Aquaman. It's improving with me over time, but there's still parts of it that just annoy me that hold itself back. And I actually, I thought about the Harley Quinn movie. Um, it almost cracked my Mount Rushmore. So I really enjoyed that one more than I thought I would. But getting to my fourth one, I'm going to go the Zack Snyder Justice League. So mine is Wonder Woman, Man of Steel, Zack Snyder's Justice League, and Shazam. So there's my Mount Rushmore. I actually think I probably do enjoy Zack Snyder's Justice League more than Aquaman. Um, I was I wasn't including that because I, I have a lot of issues with this film. Um, it's not <laughs> that Aquaman. It's not that Aquaman's perfect by any stretch, uh, but I'm gonna stick. I'm gonna stick with Aquaman. I love the portrayal of Black Manta that Yahya Abdul Mateen um, yes. for, did in that movie. I really. I I don't know. I'm gonna stick with Aquaman, um, but I I think surprisingly enough that Zack Snyder's Justice League probably is a a comfortable fifth or sixth um, depending on what I do with Birds of Prey. For this episode I watched Zack Snyder's Justice League, watched the Justice's Grey version as well and I even went back last night and decided to watch the Joss Whedon Justice League so I did my homework for this one and Please let us know what you thought about it, of course. But Zack Snyder's Justice League, the epic four hours and two minutes of glorious Justice League-ness compared to the theatrical one that was only two hours. And actually, I think it was two hours and two minutes. So this one's two hours longer. Is exactly. Was it that short? Wow. Holy cow. Yeah. So IMDb, Brian, I'm going to see if I can blow your mind a little bit just Go into my IMDb source here. Do we need to throw it, out a spoiler alert discussing Zack Snyder's Justice League before oh, we... Good call. Sound the sirens. Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! We will be spoiling some. We do apologize. Um, you know, it. that's what the episode is about, is Zack Snyder's Justice League. So it will be spoiler. Please watch the film. Go back and listen to us. If you don't mind spoiling then stick around with us. Please enjoy. But yep, good call, Brian. Spoiler. Over on IMDb. Brian, you know what? Let's. What, what would you give this movie out of 10? What was the original? The original is 6.2. Okay. Um, that's probably I fair, gave, Ryan, honestly. The original, I gave that one a 6. So that one's just 0.2 higher than what I would have given it. So... Um, it, with the original 6.2, I think I would have given the original, yeah, five and a half or a six. Um, I would give this, I think a seven, seven and a half. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't touch an eight with a 10 foot pole, but, um, I, yeah, I'll, I'll go 7.243824. See how important those small numbers are? Yeah. Isn't it? It makes a difference. I, I first watched it. And I was in a daze and I gave it an eight. And then 
like two days went by and I was like, okay, simmer down now, simmer down a little bit. So I give it a seven. I, I think I would have gone seven and a half easy for me, but you know, unfortunately we can't do that. So I gave it a seven. Brian, here is a fun fact that blew my mind. It is in the IMDb top 250 films of all time. Yeah, you want to know why? I don't I'm sure this happened on IMDb as well, but on Rotten Tomatoes, the day before the movie premiered, it already had 10,000 reviews that it was good. <laughs> this entire thing got overtaken by internet trolls and internet whatever and it it's yeah. it's what frustrates me about the project in general. So I'm sure that happened on IMDb as well. Um right. It's 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 it was an improvement. It was an improvement upon the the Joss Whedon cut. I will admit that. But the fact that it had 10,000 reviews on Rotten Tomatoes before the movie was even available, it was just really frustrating for me. Yeah. And as a defender of it, I'm with you on that. I I think that's ridiculous. I also I it's number 149 out of 250. I the movie, I enjoyed it quite a bit. I don't think it's in the top 250 movies of all time. So no disrespect to anyone involved. I hope, you know, they are humble enough to maybe go, you know, you're right. There's there's like two, there's definitely 250 great movies before we would talk about Zack Snyder's Justice League. But I guess the question we have to ask ourselves, did we need this? Like you brought up the fans and all that. And, you know, when we got the preview for Sonic and we saw the animation of Sonic. The fans went crazy and they changed it. And I think that was a great case of listen to the fans, fix something. And it definitely improved that film. I mean, Brian, you and I are of two different minds when it comes to this. So I'm going to answer, did we need it? Yes, I think we definitely did. I, I don't think the original version was anything special. Had it been something great? Had it been a huge hit? Yeah, I would have said, man, I feel like this is not really needed, but the film hasn't lasted really for people. It was a punchline. It was more material for people to bring up how Marvel is making solid films and DC is making other films. So I think it was needed. Now, did it need to be four hours and two minutes? There's things I would have trimmed. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah, there. I I think I could have gotten it to three hours. I don't think there was, and, and I mean, having watched what the film that I, I I would say I'm I'm happy that I watched it. Like compared to the original, I I did enjoy. I I remember leaving the IMAX watching the original. It was opening weekend for sure. I don't know if it was opening night. Um, simply walking out of the theater. And my thought process was that wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be, but it still wasn't good. This, and I mean, you can go back through just, it feels like every other episode of United We Fan that's ever been done, including our very first one when this project was announced, of me saying that I don't think it's necessary. Did we need it? I, I think we did, actually. It was a better film than the original. Um, I didn't, there's, now I, even with my most critical eye, I don't, I don't get that movie below three hours. I just, I don't with what was in it yeah. to build the story that he, that he built. There was, I mean, there was still at least 45 minutes worth of stuff I would remove, but you're not going to get it down to two and a half hours. I don't think. Yeah. Um, but I, I yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it overall. Yeah. I, 
and I know I said I could have gotten it down to three hours, but I'm glad they didn't. I enjoyed everything that was in it. I'm not there. I I think I could have I think I could have gotten three and a half hours. We're gonna get to possible things we could have trimmed. I'm definitely glad we got it. Brian, did you happen to check out the Justice is Gray, the black and white version or the gray version? I guess. No, no, I did not, and I I I don't get it. I don't get why it was necessary. I don't understand it. Also, while I'm venting frustrations, I'm assuming the Justice is Gray version was also in four three ratio. Yes. I don't know why we're going to put something out on our televisions that's not formatted for that. I know it's formatted for the IMAX. This thing's not going to see the IMAX. And I... I, I, I you don't, don't think so? I mean, uh, like, more theaters are opening up, and I feel like they're going to need stuff to fill it. And I, I, You know what? I'll, I'd buy a ticket for the Justice League in IMAX. I'd buy a ticket for it. With Black Widow pushing to July 9th, maybe. Um, yeah. I, I, it could happen in the near future. I, I don't know. Like I, I to me, say it's part of his vision. I, I, I don't know. That's the kind of stuff. The pretentious Zack Snyder. I think I'm better than you. That's really where that kind of stuff hits me as the casual, extremely casual, and and often to a detriment hater of of Zack Snyder and the way he talks about his projects and and just this project in in specific. Um, I, he talked for years about how the Snyder cut was a thing and it was done. And then all of a sudden when it gets green lighted, he needs a year to finish it up and, and film new scenes. Like I just don't like the guy as a person. Um, but that's kind of my, my entire kind of hang up with this entire project in general. Right. Yeah. I, I definitely get it on the small screen, the aspect ratio. I, I worry that it, first off, you're asking people to watch a four hour and two minute movie. And not many people can do that nowadays. You know, with Endgame, it was three hours. With Return of the King, you had a three-hour movie, and people sat through it. They were there, but, you know, you needed some commitment. This is four hours and two minutes, so you're at home. So you don't need as much commitment, but... But both of those movies felt earned. Those runtimes felt earned with the story that was was built before it. This one didn't feel earned to me. Well, with the aspect ratio, I just... I, I feel like... If you're going to show it at home, you you have a four-hour runtime. Maybe don't have that aspect ratio. For the IMAX, I get it. You want everything to feel taller and bigger. I'm sure it's going to look beautiful. Hopefully, we get to see it on the IMAX. But you intended that for the IMAX screen, not for the home screen. And I, 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 I do think it maybe took... Because I remember when Aquaman was talking to the, like, the town elder, and you... Hawkman's face is kind of like cut off. All you really see is his eye. Mm-hmm. And then in the original version, you have more of the shot. I I just remember that kind of like distracted me a little bit with the aspect ratio. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't love the aspect ratio thing. I did see a meme where, so I don't even know if it was a meme. I think it was real, but a dude said for Zack Snyder's vision and he was able to reformat the movie to watch it on a Game Boy Advance. <laughs> so, I mean, it's just kind of funny. Like people were watching Tenet for Christopher Nolan's vision on like an iPod video from like 2005 that Michael Scott gave Ryan for, for Christmas. But I mean, it, it, it just makes me laugh. But anyway, yeah. let's talk about the actual film. Well, the black and white, here's what I'll say. Oh yeah. If it comes to IMAX, do you want it in color or do you want it in black and white? I, I want it in color. If I'm going to go okay. see it on IMAX, <laughs> I want to see it in color, but black and white, you have Logan, 
they did the noir version and it was solid have i watched it more than once in that aspect no so it didn't really grab like grab me grab me the mist they did a black and white version of it and i dug that because then it felt like a a 50s era sci-fi movie and i kind of i kind of liked that mad max fury road they did i think they call it the chrome version I, I I wasn't digging that. And, you know, good for the artist for trying to be artistic and all that. And I, I got no problem with that. But this one, I will admit, there were some scenes in black and white that improved. Like, there were several scenes with rain. I don't know why, but in black and white, the rain scenes looked beautiful. Cyborg scenes just hit me a little harder in black and white. I don't know why. But... I think one of the biggest improvements for black and white scene was spoiler. We already said it when Lex in the beginning is in the water, the bad CGI water effects with him clearly not standing in water Yeah. in black and white. It didn't look bad in black and white. It actually looked pretty good, but in color you're like, Oh man, that looks bad. So mm-hmm. did we need the black and white version? I actually enjoyed parts of it. If you can, Check it out. If you like, want to watch the movie and you've already watched it multiple times in color, give it a shot. It's on HBO. It's free. It's there. Give it a shot. So I think it definitely helped parts of it. But for me, that wasn't as... I, I enjoyed the black and white. If I had to pick between either the aspect ratio or the black and white, I definitely liked the black and white as opposed to the interesting aspect ratio. It's I I don't know I I didn't love black and white for Logan I honestly didn't know there was a black and white version of of Fury Road I don't think that would be too interesting to me I mean we fought for years for uh, Technicolor and and all that kind of stuff I I enjoyed the black and white for WandaVision just for what it was but it was also only forty minutes Um, right I I I just I don't I don't personally see the need for it not something that I'm uber interested in you know that's fine but I love that. I love that HBO is just giving us all the options. So if you want to watch it, it's there. Go for it. But one other big change we got with this one, not just the running time, was it's rated R. So, you know. Unnecessarily, Batman. too. I, di- I, I, I didn't think that that was necessary. I, I, don't, I agree. I think it's with Robert Pattinson's and Matt Reeves' Batman coming up. I think it's also one of the closest versions we'll get of a um, Frank Miller Batman. So, you know, it, it needed to be a little dark, but I, I agree with you. Did it need to be rated R? No, I think I would have been just fine without it. You know, hearing Batman drop an F bomb, like, Oh, okay. But yeah, well, I don't, you I don't can leave that one in there. You get, you get one for a PG 13, oh, like leave that one in there. The other two were super forced and unnecessary to me. Um, and the gore, like, if you're going to make it R rated and you want to make it a little more gory, like not, yeah. that's not, that's not necessarily for me, but they didn't, they didn't dial that up to 11 either to really make it worth it. Right. And you know what talking about, let's some changes. Steppenwolf. I, I've seen a lot of people love the new look of Steppenwolf compared to the Joss Whedon one. I'm still trying to think about which version I like more, the spiky, Zack Snyder one with the armor that keeps adjusting itself. By the way, to the CGI artist, I his facial reactions and even when he's like getting choked up and you see an almost tear in his eye and his voice get a little choked up in the neck. I brilliant animation, but 
Brian, do you have a preference on which Steppenwolf Wolf animation you like more? Uh, I like I like the Zack Snyder version uh, better, just simply from the way he looked. I think the the extra armor and things that were quote unquote easily animated compared to the rest of his face, I think it right. it it was a lot less distracting. Um, I very much preferred uh, Steppenwolf, both in animation and just character wise, from the Zack Snyder version for sure. I yes, watching Joss Whedon's after it. They gave all of Darkseid's like material to Steppenwolf and Josh Whedon's Justice League. So, but and it didn't work. It was it was no. really yeah, it was really weird. I definitely like. I, I liked yeah Steppenwolf in the original one. I didn't really care too much for, it, but Steppenwolf in this one, I actually cared about his character development. So, I was happy about that one. He very much had a Loki arc, um, where where kind of uh, Darkseid was kind of the Thanos. Like he at least had something to prove. It made right. a lot more sense with the inclusion of Darkseid. Even though I didn't care about the inclusion of Darkseid that much, it at least gave Steppenwolf something to prove, and it made a lot more sense. If we had been getting more to this universe, I think I would have appreciated Darkseid more. But now I'm just like, oh, man, that's all, we, that's all we're going to get. That's all we're going to get from Darkseid. So with this one, we all, you know, we got some changes here and there. Um, extra backstory. Josh Whedon's gave us a lot more Bruce and Diana scenes. I think kind of hinted more at like a flirtatious relationship between them. And then the Zack Snyder one, I, that was, that was pretty much dropped. That wasn't there. I get very frustrated by Diana being completely hung up on a guy that she knew for a week, 60 years later. Um, So it's nice to see her at least have a flirtatious relationship, but, but Diana and Bruce Wayne. um, Yeah. I, that's not for me. I enjoyed their scenes a lot more in the Snyder version as well. It was far more of a of a mutual respect for each other, especially around the decision of bringing Superman back and and yes. stuff like that. It was a lot less flirtatious and a, and a great change. Well, we also get a whole lot more Diana in this movie. So we get more of the Amazons, who those women in that scene when they're protecting the temple, they look amazing. Especially when they're like knocking out the walls that come down, good lord, those women, good on you. So, I, I'm good with the more backstory to the Amazons. I think the only thing with Diana that didn't quite work with me is she gets the arrow, the warning sign arrow, and then she kind of looks off at the distance, and the next thing we know, she jumps into this mysterious canyon. That I, I'm like, where did this canyon come from? <laughs> and then you hear her land on the high heels. So I'm just like her. She, she, we don't know how far she jumped down. It was pretty far. And she landed on her heels. You know, Wonder Woman, if anyone's going to land it, it's Wonder Woman. But she didn't break a heel or anything. I I don't know. And then but good on the sound people for having the high heel landing noise. Like that was a good little detail. But I think that was the only thing that didn't work for me is somehow she ended up in this canyon and I didn't mind us getting a backstory to Darkseid that way. It was a lot better than the Joss Whedon, like, little puzzle pieces that were just like, oh, that happened to coincidentally be there. So I liked us getting a backstory this way. She's awesome, man. Like, she's so great in that role. And that's what bums me out. Like, I was reminded this week of how much I was just bummed out by Wonder Woman 84. I really thought, one, that 
Diana was going to be able to fly in this movie because she learned how to fly oh. in 1984 and now she can't fly anymore. The Her very first scene in this film with the terrorists taking over that building, oh. none of that worked for me. None of what? it. I did not enjoy that film I, or that, that scene. It just didn't work for me. And I think it, it was super distracting because I don't need her theme. I, her theme song is epic. Do not get yes. me wrong. Her theme song rules. But just to turn it on, just when simply her face is on the screen, and then when you cut to the terrorists doing whatever they're doing, and literally the music stops, and then we go back to Diana, and it kicks back in for six and a half seconds, and then stops. It was very, it was very distracting. And then every time her face was on the screen, we had to have either that that rock version or the chanting version from the Amazons. And I just, I don't need her theme song every single time she's on the screen. Um, and that, that really, that, that opening scene, I didn't, I didn't love it. I just, and I don't, I don't remember it, how it compares to the original. I know that scene was in the Joss Whedon cut, not quite the same. Um, yeah. but I, it just, it was not a scene that worked for me. Everything else, Wonder Woman in this film worked, but that opening scene just didn't work for me. It's a little shorter. For example, the, the bomb itself in the Josh Whedon one, it's nowhere near that big at all. Like she just kind of throws it up in the air and it just takes care of itself. And you don't have the scene with the little um, student, the girl, which yeah. I liked that scene. Like I know it, it, some might come at it and be like, it was forced where she goes. Can I be like you one day? And you know, Diana goes, you can be whatever you want. I thought it was cute. I dug it. I didn't think it was forced. Being the music guy, I'm glad you love her theme. I I didn't feel it was out of place. Yeah, I, I didn't get that vibe. The bank scene, I liked it because it shows that she's still kicking butt. I'm with you there, though. I it Kind of seeing Wonder Woman 84 and then now and not seeing her fly at any point, I all agree with you there. But I liked the bank scene. I thought the epic shot of her, like, kind of lunging in the air was she jumping or was she flying when she threw the bomb you know maybe mm -hmm. but i thought that scene was pretty cool but you gotta act she... like an airplane you've gotta find the, the current cringeworthy lines there's a reason it's nominated for a bunch of razzies but <laughs> i think the only thing that got me was she totally annihilated the um evil mastermind guy mm -hmm. She like blew him up mm -hmm. in the in the original one. You know, you you see like a, a small little like flash, but in this one, oh my god, the windows and the walls blow out, and you kind of go, Diana, was that a little extreme to blow <laughs> out the side of a wall to take out that guy? You could just flick him in the forehead and knock him out. You know, I didn't think about that. Nineteen eighty four thought until you just said it. I. I, I remember I was like, man, I want to watch more Wonder Woman now. And then I I was just like, oh, nice. She's, she's awesome. Like, she is awesome. I love her in that role. I, I will watch Wonder Woman 3. Um, but, man, yes. I hope they learn from, the, from 84 because I just don't like that movie. We never even really discussed it on our show because we just couldn't, if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all kind of deal. But... Yeah, yeah I like I, I really like her. 
I think we even talked about having a Wonder Woman episode, and then we saw 84, and we never really brought it up again. <laughs> yeah. Well, moving on to, you know, other expansions. Aquaman, we get to see... Uh, talking about things that didn't add up, I, I was kind of hoping with the Snyder Cut, we wouldn't have the bubbles being created for them to have conversations, because in the Aquaman movie... Which, you know, okay, don't come at me. It does take place after Justice League, okay. But advancements in underwater technology. I know. I I didn't like I was kinda hoping that Snyder would have been like, you know what, I really dig what they did uh, did in Aquaman and let's just have them talking. But he kept his his bubbles, which then you go wait a minute. So everyone in Atlantis in Snyder's cut can out of water i remember like the soldier talking out of water but in aquaman some of them can't i think that like kind of took me out a little bit of the moment but i'm glad we got more willem dafoe to quote marshall funny thing about willem dafoe uh his name kind of sounds like a frog talking to a parrot (laughs) willem dafoe willem dafoe (laughs) anyways so i'm glad we got more of him in it and his glorious long hair and this is where Marvel fanboys like myself are really critical of of the DCEU. Um, and in my opinion, rightfully so, is the Wonder Woman 84 um, flying and then not being able to fly and the continuity of simply being able to talk underwater, not talk underwater. Um, the Willem Dafoe scene was a good addition. Just overall, the mother boxes were explained much better as to how yes. everybody had them and who had them. Um, and especially that one of how the Atlanteans had it. Um, that really, for whatever reason, connected with me. I, I enjoyed that part of it. Um, so, I mean, it is it is what it is. Um, I Again, Willem Dafoe, um, I like him, so it worked for me. Arthur Curry's a great character, too, and I still think he was underutilized in this film, and he's still got a little bit more to do, but I just... I mean, he's Aquaman, so, I mean, it's hard to make yeah. that dude, like, super fearful or fearless or whatever but they they did a good job i just would like to see him do a little more and i mean we're gonna get an aquaman too which i think is gonna be pretty great i'm i'm hoping maybe they kind of work out some of the flaws with the first film and improve things for aquaman but i remember when jason momoa was cast i wasn't too big on it i'm happy to admit i'm wrong i think he's great as aquaman and I still hate my one friend who pointed out that his eyebrows look like the Aquaman symbol. I can't unsee it, but I'm glad he was casting it. But Brian, there was one scene that involved Aquaman that I don't think it worked. It was the the village song, the fable song. I didn't I didn't quite understand. Maybe if maybe I need to look up the song if it's a real song or like maybe it wasn't explained to like did they think he was like godly and they were worshiping him with a hymn or something i i don't know the song didn't work for me brian do you have a theory like maybe to help me like it more oh no i'm i'm not the guy to come to when it comes to trying to get overall the entire soundtrack of this film was very frustrating to me um the scene that you're talking about um and the scene when arthur walks out onto the dock to kind of go back Uh, into the ocean. Um, The soundtrack during, and we're going to get to it when we talk about Barry Allen, the song playing when he saves that girl from the car crash. 
and yeah. overall the entire soundtrack in this film, just like the preview when we got that Hallelujah version, um, none of the music matched what was on the screen for me ever. Um, the score is good, um, yep. but when Junkie they when XL, they tried to yeah. when they tried to add actual uh, songs to the the movie, every single one of them missed for me. Ten times out of ten, I thought I thought the soundtrack was horrible. I'm glad you brought up um, Junkie XL, also known as Tom Holkenberg. He did the score for this one. Danny Elfman did the Joss Whedon one, and yeah, you know, I wasn't too big on it, so I'm glad um, that Holkenberg came back for this, and I really enjoyed his score. But I can't even argue with that. I actually like Zack Snyder's films for his song selections, but for example, Aquaman when he saves the sailor, walks into the dock, the song that was chosen. I just didn't feel like it It worked. And, you know, who am I? You know, Zack Snyder's a big-time director and all that, so really take who I and what I say. But in Josh Whedon's version, you get a song from Jack White of the White Stripes, and I thought that kind of played a little bit better than the, the Aquaman dock walking song. That didn't work for me. You mentioned the Barry Allen song. I... I try to think, like, did the song make the scene not work for me, or did the scene just not work? And honestly, I yes. think that scene just, yeah. The song didn't help the scene, and the scene, I'm just like, I, I quite enjoyed the CW DC shows, but that scene where Barry and Iris are just having those stare-downs, I'm like, okay... Okay, and just it didn't really work for me. I did laugh though when Barry grabbed the hot dog. <laughs> I thought that was really funny, but the song didn't work in that scene for me either. So I think this is one of the rare Snyder films where his song selections, Watchmen, watch that one. His song selections for that movie, great stuff. Love that album, but for this one, his song selections missed for me. I'm even critical of of his use of that Hallelujah song in Watchmen as well. I think it's part of just how much I dislike that version of that song because I like that song. I just don't like the that particular rendition. It goes like this: the fourth, the fifth, the minor fall, the major lift, the baffled king composing Hallelujah. Overall, the soundtrack really really missed for me but are we done with aquaman can i go in on barry allen and the flash oh yeah and talking about hallelujah though i'm gonna get sidetracked with the story though because you know over at disney springs they have the bands and the artists they're all very talented i love that there's so many um local artists that play there piano rob being one of them love you so i remember over at the bowling alley there there there's a guy, you know, he's got his guitar, and then you had his partner there playing the keyboard. They were, oh, sorry, it wasn't at the bowling alley. It was at the House of Blues. They were singing Hallelujah at the outdoor bar. And I remember walking by going, man, what a great night. And then you just hear, Hallelujah. And then Shrek came into your Hallelujah. Life. Man, if Shrek came out, I'd live for that. But... <laughs> I just kept thinking about fun environment. Everyone's having a good time having drinks and, you know, good food. And 
Hallelujah. And I just, you got to know when to play that song. Just like Louis Armstrong's What a Wonderful World, you got to know when to play certain songs like that. Enya's Only Time. I see trees of green. <laughs> and I mean, Enya's Only Time, you can't just be like having a nice drive on a sunny day and be like, man, what a great day. Only time. Who can say where the road... Like, you, you got to know when to play those songs. So, hallelujah, I liked In Watchmen, but I also... I, oh, man, I don't, I don't know if I think of the actions that were taking place during that song, tie in with that song for me, but I, I totally get it. But yeah, Barry Allen... you say you have to know when to hold them and know when to fold them? I'm glad you made that song a reference, but the reference hurt. <laughs> Anyways, the Moving flash. On. Yes, let's run out of this conversation. I hated everything about Ezra Miller's flash in this Whoa. movie. There was nothing about it that worked for me. His opening scene just was that so 10% of this film was in slow motion. That's one of my complaints about Zack Snyder in general. Um, I don't love all the slow motion. Now, obviously when the flash is running, everything needs to be in slow motion. I understand that, but the, the car crash scene, like you said, the, them locking eyes, the fact that Barry Allen, like the whole, the entire dog Walker application process was, was ridiculous. The, the song mixed with everything, there was each, oh man, and maybe it's just because I really don't like Ezra Miller. Right at the beginning of coronavirus shutdowns last year, he had a run-in with a fan um, at, a, at, a, at an event, and if you want to learn more about it, by all means, look it up, but he just isn't a nice person, so that's part of it, but he just, he wasn't as funny to me as he was intended to be, nothing he really did worked for me um i do i i'm very intrigued by the entire premise of the flash movie and the fact that his dad has been recast with the guy from office space ron livingston the main character from office space is going to be playing his dad in the flash movie i think it's going to be really interesting of him trying to solve his wife or his mom's murder i'm excited for the flash movie i'm not excited for ezra miller at all nothing from ezra miller and Barry, and I love Barry Allen. I love The Flash, but yeah. I really dislike the portrayal of that of that character in this film. Ezra Miller, yeah, he he took a couple of missteps, and uh, yeah, that video was was really rough. Amber Heard, don't even get me started on that. I know, like, it, it, a lot's out there, so I'm just gonna say when it comes to her, I'm not Team Amber Heard, and I'm just gonna leave it there so that you know don't get too many people fired up, but. Yeah. going back to him as the flash i wasn't strongly opposed to him as say you were i think grant gustin who's on the cw flash i think he has a better better grip of barry allen but i will admit in the josh whedon one i didn't realize how like kind of more annoying he is in that one than in the Zack snyder one so brian don't go back and watch the josh whedon one but yeah, if he's if he's more annoying in that, then man, I can't even yeah. imagine. 
Well, I I did like the scenes between him and his dad. I liked them. Um, I'm Billy Crudup. 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 I think it's Crudup. Crudup. I'm so sorry. Um, but I love him as an actor. I loved him in Big Fish in Watchmen. I think he's a great, very talented actor. I was sad when he departed, but, you know, scheduling things happen when a film gets majorly delayed like The Flash was. I liked his scenes, but, man, when him and Bruce meet, that scene still, like, kind of, it doesn't quite work for me that well. And then, yeah, we already went over it, but the the dog. I do love the... What are your superpowers again? I'm rich. I do like that line. I think that's a funny line. I didn't think I would like that line, but it hasn't irritated me. Every time I hear it, I don't <laughs> eye roll. I dig it. I'm good with it. I'm, you know, we'll get to Ben Affleck as Batfleck, but yeah, the the Flash, we didn't need that extra scene. I think that scene could have been saved for the Flash movie. Um, but even then, I hope they rework it, but yeah, meh. I hope the Flash movie, just in general, this movie's overall dark. Just the aesthetics of, of everything, the color palette of everything is just darker. I hope the Flash movie... I mean, you're going to have Michael Keaton's yellow Batman-like symbol right on his chest. Like, just in general, that movie needs to be a little bit... Even though Batman 89's not exactly light, but... Um, I, I don't know. Well, like, I just really disliked that opening scene, and, and I never recovered from it with that character. I mean, Brian, though, at the time of us recording this episode, Michael Keaton, he's he's thinking about if he's going to be in, in the Flash movie now. So he's got to he's put it on pause. He's unsure really? how committed he is anymore. Yeah, he I didn't came know out, that. Yeah, it's not just sources. He actually said, I, you know, just with COVID and the production and all that, I'm just taking some time to still think about it and consider my options. So I hope he's playing coy. Because if he's not in, if he's not in it, then I am. Uh, my excitement for that movie gets cut in half, if not more. I know. I feel like DC when they saw that, they were like, no, 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 no. Here's another zero. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> do it. It's worth it. It'll make money, and then use them again for the Batman Beyond film. Cyborg. We get more cyborg in this, and I love it. I love the more storyline with him and his dad. I love that we get to see what his life went. I know a couple people have said, what was this, a cyborg origin story for this movie? Well, you know, we cyborg's not one of those big characters. You know, we had to learn where it came from. His dad played a big part. It tied in with the mother boxes. I liked it. I'm glad we got all the extra cyborg. It was earned. It was very it was very earned. I really the storyline with him and his dad in the Whedon cut, like we're watching Steppenwolf kind of interrogate his dad or whatever. And you have zero emotion attached to it because he had zero emotion. Now Ray yeah. Fisher has been put through the ringer over the last yes. little while. It did it, 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 him and him and Warner brothers don't get along. Let's just, just leave it at that. Him and Joss Whedon don't get along. Not that Joss Whedon gets along with anybody, but um, it just this character. And it took me, until he joined the rest of the group. Like I was still very, very annoyed by Cyborg. And and then after that scene with Diana trying to convince him and, and then whatever. But then after he joins the Justice League, just the way his story was built was really intriguing. 
Um, and it really pays off for when he sees the mother boxes and he sees his mom and his dad and him and he has to break them apart. That scene actually legitimately felt earned from the story that was told for the rest of the film. And it made so, so much more sense. And I even loved him learning about his capabilities with the mom, mm -hmm. the mm -hmm. struggling mom who's a waitress. I loved that little storyline. And I know if we had gotten just a simple theatrical release, that storyline would have been cut. So yeah. I, I think Ray Fisher, bravo to you for, you know, what you went through making the film, but also the guy, I mean, if you've seen Spider-Man, what was it? Far from home, you know what he had to be wearing the whole time. Cause Mysterio had to wear it the whole time. So the guy sold that role, the walk, the way he stood. I think the only one who maybe has him beat is, and I'm so sorry for getting his name, the actor who played the Beast in the live-action Beauty and the Beast. That Dan get Stevens. Up, he had, yes, that get-up he had to wear was probably a little more of a struggle, but Ray Fisher, good for you. I thought he delivered... I honestly loved his performance. I wished more people were talking about how just, like, deep his performance was as Cyborg. I think it went beyond comic book movie. Are you not seeing that? I, that's one of the biggest positives I am seeing from this movie. The praises of it is is his his performance now i'm i'm not going to go out there and say that ray fisher is my new favorite actor um he's he's right. he's not i think i think he was perfectly played to play a robotic person i don't think he's the greatest actor in the history of actors but i think as a character actor for this particular role i don't know if anybody else could have could have done it better and i don't mean that by way of by way of criticism, not everybody's going to be right. the greatest actor ever. Um, so, if you are listening, Ray Fisher, I, 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 I mean nothing by this other than I really, really enjoyed Cyborg in this movie, and and I really, really didn't love Cyborg in the Whedon cut. Nor did Ray Fisher. Yeah, and I know when DC got a little ahead of themselves, they had planned a Cyborg movie. When I first saw Justice League, I was like, oh, man, no, we don't need a cyborg movie. Watching this cut, I'd watch a cyborg movie. Now you'd you know, have to be careful not to, but I mean, to be compared to like other machine movies like Terminator. I mean, his dad, hello, is even in Terminator. So that would be a, a challenge for them. I don't think we're ever going to get the cyborg movie. I, I think that ship is sailed. I don't think Ray Fisher's even too interested in that at this point. You know, and that sucks because... I, I'm glad you're seeing positive reviews of his acting performance. I think he gave, I don't want to say he stole the movie, but I think he's definitely one of the best parts of the film. He's the biggest improvement for sure. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. I like that. Let's see here. We also got the Martian Manhunter was added to the film. And I was excited for this. I, I like the Martian Manhunter, um, especially if you watch the animated Justice League series, you get to learn a lot about that character and it's great stuff. But I, and like I said, we, we already said spoiler warnings. That scene between Lois and Martha, Martha, what do you, so <laughs> how, do you how do you know that name? Um, so stupid. But, that scene was so stupid. So when they had the scene, I was like, oh, that's such a cute moment between Lois and Martha. And then when it turns out to be the Martian Manhunter, I'm like, this is really awkward. This went from like a really cute scene to mm -hmm. really awkward. How would he know any of that information? 
I I mean, he part of his capabilities, he can see thoughts. So, but I mean, it's like when he says to Bruce, your parents would be proud of you. How does he know that? His superpower is telling people what they want to hear. Oh, oh, I man. Ooh, that's brutal. (laughs) But I can't even argue (laughs) with that. And I I mean. I hated that scene. I hated that scene so much. It was such, like you said, it was such a good moment between Diane Lane and Amy Adams. And it was such a good scene and it was powerful. And it was what she told Lois was what Lois needed to hear. And then it's not coming from Martha Kent. Like I, oh man, so frustrating. I was kind of disappointed just with the lead up and I was excited to see him. I mean, you know, the Martian Manhunter, but Brian, random Rushmore. The game where everything's made up and the points don't matter. So, because it's March, I was like, what happens in March? St. Patty's Day. And when we were thinking about having an episode around there, this is when this one kind of popped in my mind. I was like, St. Patty's Day. Green. So, Brian, give me, for your random Rushmore, your Rushmore of favorite green characters now they don't have to be completely green like if you want to do loki he's got a lot of green in his life i will absolutely take that so brian your mount rushmore of green characters okay so the first one is going to be lucky from the lucky charms box um i don't even think you're joking no i'm not he absolutely is one of my favorite green characters i love lucky charms why does everybody um, laugh when I say they are my lucky charms? Anyways, <laughs> I'm gonna put I'm gonna put Yoda and Grogu in in one person. Um, okay. So that's one. Um, the Hulk. For Three. sure. Yeah. Um, now more. let me work this through in my head. Mm. Hal Jordan is the Green Lantern. Gumby. Yep. Oh. <laughs> Ooh, Greedo. Greedo's green. Who had other Gamora. green? Gamora. I think of Gamora. Kermit the Frog. The Grinch. Slimer from Ghostbusters. Uh, So what if I said Grogu, Lucky the Lucky Charms guy, the Hulk. Yep. Um, Is it the Hulk or She-Hulk? Which one are you going to go with? I'm going to go with the Hulk. Okay. It's a tie between Kermit the Frog, Mike Wazowski. Good Lord. No. Um, No. This is why it's hard, Brian. Gumby. None of this Thai stuff. Gumby is my number four. I loved Gumby as a kid. I... I'm going to go Yoda, and then I love reading Hal Jordan's Green Lantern, so, and of course we'll get to those parts of the Zack Snyder possibility, but um, I'm going to also go with Shrek, I love Shrek, so I know the Disney Hallelujah, I pick Shrek, um, and then for my number four, it was really hard for me not to pick Kermit. It was really hard for me not to pick the Grinch. I can't believe you're not picking the Grinch. I know. I I honestly had it up until I am gonna go with this one. Uh, Leonardo from the Ninja Turtles, my number four. Nice. I originally had Raphael. Hello, guy. Personally, but. Well, I was a Raphael guy growing up. My parents can be like, "Oh my God, Mark, we remember you loving the red one," and I definitely related. Man, I was an annoying little toot when i was little so Raphael and i connected but then as i grew older and i read and watched more of Raphael, i was like no i like leonardo so yeah yoda leonardo al jordan shrek nice so, yeah that was a fun rushmore 
So, but yeah, going back to Green Lantern, they approached Ryan Reynolds, I think is what they said. <laughs> I wish uh, I would have been the fly on the wall in that conversation. Oh, man. Oh, to have the um, the cameo instead of Martian Manhunter. And, you know, we did get to see more of Green Lantern in the huge epic. Did anyone else think of the battle for Helm's Deep, though, with that? Um, with Darkseid? I, I wasn't not the Helm's Deep battle so much, but more the battle at the very beginning of Lord of the Rings, like when yeah yeah, yeah when when That's Sauron right. gets his hand cut off. But yeah, no, it kind of had that feel to it. So we got we got Green Lantern there, and that was great to see. I'm not sure why the ring hung out there like that. Like it was weird. Hey, I'm going to tease you. Take me when he clearly isn't worthy. So I you know that part I want to try to maybe find out why the ring hung out there. Yeah, everything I know about the Green Lantern's ring, like, none of that should have happened. Like, I'm not going to claim to be the world's foremost authority on the Green Lantern, but that didn't make any sense. I even watched, so I own the extended cut of the Ryan Reynolds Green Lantern movie, and I watched it because <laughs> he recently on Twitter, he watched it, and he hadn't watched it in a while. <laughs> he he live-tweeted it, I saw it. He live-tweeted, he had his bottle of aviation gin, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to watch this. So I I will put it on my guilty pleasure list. Man, there's a, the movie is not perfect. It is flawed. But I, I enjoy it. I will say this. When the movie first was announced, I did not want Ryan Reynolds. I love Ryan Reynolds. Love everything about him. And Blake Lively. Oh, what an amazing woman. Good for you for being lucky enough to marry her, but I digress. (laughs) I, I didn't want him cast. I wanted Bradley Cooper as Hal Jordan. I thought Ryan Reynolds was more of a guy Gardner. He's not a Hal Jordan. I thought Bradley Cooper would have made that film better with his Hal Jordan interpretation. And I I wonder how many people are going to lash out at me for saying, I actually enjoy the green lantern movie, but Hal Jordan to me is Jonah Hill, man. Like I think Jonah Hill would be a great Hal Jordan. Skinny Jonah Hill. I I don't even know if you're joking or not. You'll never know. Are you? Oh, my God. I'm so triggered right now. Anyways, so <laughs> I would have been okay. Ooh. Oh, man. So <laughs> I would have been okay with Ryan Reynolds' Green Lantern coming in there. I, I hope he would have taken it seriously, which I think Ryan Reynolds is a professional first and foremost so i think he would have done a professional and i know people are gonna be like oh he killed them off in deadpool 2 stop it anyways so i i would have been okay with it i think it would have oh my god having a green lantern there at the end would have worked a lot better but i know Zack snyder said that wb said no please we're trying to figure out what we're doing with the green lantern we don't want that in there until we figure it out so good for them for not Making a mistake again of having one thing in one film and it be completely different in another film. So good on well, them why there. Why do they all but... of a sudden care about continuity? Like oh, but the the Martian scene, I thought it was great. You know, Ben Affleck. Not surprised to see a Martian at all. Good for him. Um, <laughs> but when he says your parents would have been proud of you, oh man, that sign or that that line didn't work for me. But. I think for I would. For me, I think it's a story of he's been around for years and he literally know knew Thomas and Martha Wayne. Like that's how I interpreted that. I 
I wanted to go there, but I was like, is that a stretch? Is that what they're hoping we pick up from it? I didn't know. Yeah, it's a stretch. Yeah, I'm sure. I, so, I, I, yeah, the Martian Manhunter is a cool character. Very ridiculously put into this movie. Yeah, I, you know, when I look back, I go, oh, yeah, he impersonated Martha. Oh, yeah, he thinks Batman. You yeah. know, it, I felt like if it had been a Green Lantern, oh, that just would have been epic. And then I know we even got a Kilowog scene, Kilowog, um, Hal Jordan's trainer. I know so many Green Lantern fans are going to kill me on mispronouncing his name. I do apologize, but... I can't help you here. Kilowog, yeah. We also got an added character that, like you said, Zack Snyder said he was finished, but thought of some stuff. And he added a character that we thought we were done with in the DCEU. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. It I doesn't mean, it's count. in all the promos, right? Yeah. It doesn't. No, no, you're good. But I'm just saying that scene was completely undercut by the fact that it didn't count even a little bit. Um, I understand Bruce's worst nightmare. Um, no pun intended. Uh, one, the Flash. Who was that character supposed to be in that scene? Because he looked nothing like Ezra Miller. He was filming the second Fantastic Beast, so they had to hide him in the armor a little bit. But it didn't. Then don't show his face. Like I don't know. That was weird. Like, and then Amber Heard coming back. She yeah. was very clunky in this. Like talking about the death of of Arthur Curry. Um, and then an actress. Anyways, all, all of a sudden, Slade or or Deadshot or or wh- whoever. Yeah. His character is Flash. He's Flash Thompson to me. Always will be. Yeah. Um, but I, oh man, like that. I'm so frustrated by the fact that it was a a nightmare and nothing more. It was literally just an excuse to get the Joker out there to say we live in a society and and move on. I I really that that ended the film. That and then the Martian Manhunter, which. This Martian Manhunter scene at the end was better than the first one. So, but still, the last thirty minutes of the movie overall, I I didn't need. I really didn't like the nightmare scene at all. I liked it. Was it necessary? No, but I I was good with it. Man, how do I want to phrase it? If the film didn't have it, would I have been good? Yeah. Is the scene an extended deleted scene? Yes. Like it, it would not have made my trim down Snyder cut at all. I I do appreciate the fact that the nightmare scene um, recreated the thing that I hated the most about the Joss Whedon cut, and that was the orange sky. I thought that was mm. kind of funny um, because I really hated the orange sky and the blue dome that they had right. in, and this time it had a blue sky with an orange dome, and it just worked aesthetically a whole lot better that orange sky in the joss whedon cut was awful but the i think i think Zack snyder got a little too cute with the cinematography and everything in this particular one where some things were out of focus and in focus and just overall it was it was just i don't know i i didn't like leto's i didn't like leto's joker anyway so i mean that's a big criticism of this uh but none of that worked for me at all i'm i mean he filmed in his backyard so really (laughs) Oh yeah, you didn't know that. I didn't, yeah, he filmed. No, I didn't know that. He knew he really couldn't get much, so he filmed it real guerrilla style. Yeah, 
And, uh, Jared Leto, yeah. God, I hope I'm not ruining the scene. Jared Leto and Ben Affleck, they weren't even there together when they filmed it. So the power of editing. Brian, and you know I mean, that's the power of editing. Right. You could you couldn't tell that. Like, I mean, so that I mean that's that's cool. I mean, that's fine, but yeah. I oh man, like then just don't include it. I, yeah. I don't know why it needed to be there. I I liked it because uh, Jared Leto's Joker in Suicide Squad was not a fan of the portrayal at all. I don't know if I'm more putting that on him or the director, maybe both, you know, but I, I wasn't a fan of it. So I'm glad he got a chance maybe to have a little saving grace. And then, you know, we brought up Batfleck a lot. I, by the way, thank you to my friend Angie for getting me that shirt from when it was first announced about Ben Affleck being Batman, she got me a Team Batfleck shirt, and I love it so much. Team Batfleck. So in Batman vs. Superman, or sorry, Batman v. Superman, we got to see a very dark, depressing Ben Affleck who's just worn down, not much joy. In this one, I, I'm going to say story-wise, Superman's death changed him and for the better. This one, he's not like Eeyore. He's not just eh, grumpy, grumpy Batman. Like, we get some really good dialogue and acting from Ben Affleck. I'm definitely a fan of Ben Affleck, the actor and director. Whenever he gets a chance to, like, put on a good role, I'm happy. So, I liked his additions in this film. I know in the Joss Whedon one, we have his intro where it's on the rooftop of Gotham City where he's trying to catch one of the insect aliens and looking back at that scene i don't think it really worked i remember when i first saw it i was like all right this is a fun batman scene but eh, it didn't work i'm glad his intro for this one was like him on the horseback going to find aquaman i feel like the nightcrawler scene in the sewer was a lot longer in the snyder cut is that is that correct that is correct the nightcrawler scene was really really cool um overall I, I don't know why we spent so much time being fascinated by this ship that they took to to fight at the end. Like, we spent a lot of time around that. Uh, mild hot take, I don't love Jeremy Irons as yeah. uh, Alfred. He doesn't he doesn't really do it for me. I think he's an okay Alfred, but I'm really partial to Michael Caine. So, I mean, that's, that's what it is there. They included a lot more of Alfred in this one. Some of it worked, some of it not so much. Batfleck, I can take it or leave it. I I'm not anti Bat Batfleck, but I'm he's also not like the best for me. I think the way they portrayed Bruce Wayne's character, I feel like he would have saved Martha Kent's home a lot sooner than he does in the film. Yes, um, yes. I think he would have bought the bank a lot sooner to prevent her house from being foreclosed on. Those kinds of things he was really trying to make right. I feel like that's not something that would have escaped his attention if they had never brought Clark Kent back to life. Um, so, I mean, that is the kind of nitpicks that I have, but overall him and him and Gal Gadot played really well off of each other in this movie. I like, uh, Ben Affleck a lot as Bruce Wayne. I don't love, and I've, I've complained about the fat bat, bat man <laughs> symbol on his, on his suit before. I don't like that. I, I love JK Simmons. He's not commissioner Gordon to me either. I no. it just, He's J. Jonah Jameson, man. Like, he's not Commissioner Gordon. So um, there was a few things around Batman. Snyder knows Batman a lot better 
excuse me, he portrays Batman a lot better than he does Superman for me. Um, I think he did a, I think he did an okay, did an okay job in this film. I think this is Batflex's for sure best performance. I I really dislike BBS. So I know. Yeah, I'm. I can't argue with Jeremy Irons. I just feel like I I think that was more of he just wasn't given a lot to work with to make his Alfred better. J.K. Simmons as Commissioner Gordon. I mean, if he's even commissioner, maybe he's just lieutenant in this one. But it Jim Gordon. Jim Gordon. There we go. We'll just say Jim Gordon. He didn't need to be in it. Like it didn't nope. need to be him. It he didn't bring anything special to it. And you know, the guy's an Oscar winner, amazing actor, and also a yellow M&M icon. But as Gordon, I think once again, just the material wasn't there. Maybe I know they originally had planned a Ben Affleck Batman movie. Who knows? We would have gotten more to him in that film, and it could have been greater. But in this film, it I, I felt like it could have been someone else. It didn't have to be him. And I'm with you, too. I actually thought about that when I was watching the Snyder Cut, how I feel like Batman would have felt bad for Superman's mom and would have bought the bank and bought the farm like much earlier because of all that. So I'm with you on that. But speaking of Superman's mom, Martha. Um, <laughs> Why Superman. did you say that name? Why did you say that name? Save Martha. <laughs> um, so in the Snyder Cut, we open with Superman dying again from Batman v Superman. And his death sound waves go out to the universe. In the Snyder Cut, we get CGI mouth. Henry Cavill talking to some kids who are using their phone to record a Superman video. And I thought the Josh Whedon one was a cute scene. I think, oh man, the CGI mouth, especially on the big screen, it just looks like he's preparing for winter, like he's a chipmunk. And <laughs> it just didn't work. I thought the scene was cute, you know, Superman talking to some kids, but it definitely did not fit in with the flow of the story because you had that. And then you go to Superman dies. So flow wise, I think this Superman approach works better. Plus in the Snyder cut, Superman isn't there for only like two seconds. I think that was one thing that really upset me about the Joss Whedon one is that Superman's hardly in it. He's hardly in Batman v Superman, which irked me a lot. And then he was hardly in Justice League. And as someone who it took loves two and a half Man hours before we even had him mentioned. Yeah. And as Someone who loves Henry Cavill as Superman and someone who loves Man of Steel, I was very upset about this. And I'm just as upset that we still have not had much progress, even if we get a Man of Steel 2. So I was happy to see his scenes, the the line of... You won't let me live. You won't let me die. Tell me, Batman, do you bleed? I, I thought that, that was... Oh, God, that was real, like, uncomfortably dark. So I'm glad that line didn't make it into the Zack Snyder cut. But I think it was improved. Of course, me being the Superman fan, I love that we got the black suit. Love it. I mean, I don't necessarily see the necessity for the black suit, but it was cool. Like, it looked cool. Like, there's... But then all of a sudden in the nightmare scene, he's wearing his blue and red again. Like, I thought that was weird. Oh, um, yeah. Is this is this another biopic biopic thing? Cavill? I thought it was Henry Cavill. Oh man, Henry Cavill, Henry Cavill. 
Is it Cavill? Like, I, I genuinely don't know. Like, I'm not trying to correct you by any stretch. I just always thought it was Cavill. I feel like it's becoming a running joke on the show because I even pronounced um, Kevin's name wrong. It's Kevin so, Feige. That one I will die on a hill for. Yes. All no, the no, best. No, I, have it. I don't know where I got Kevin um, Feige from. I don't know where I got that from. <laughs> Darn internet. Henry Cavill. I'm, I'm good, man. Like, I thought it was Henry Cavill, but I, 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 I like that we pronounce some names differently. I'm good with it. Biopic. But, I, I I feel like though it's becoming a running uh, unintended segment of the show of who's pronouncing it correctly. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I so when I say that that Zack Snyder knows how to treat Batman ver- much better than he does Superman, and this is a criticism going all the way back to Man of Steel, where Superman. So when Zod throws a gas truck at him, like Superman just lets the gas truck like fly over his head and crash into the yeah. building and kill a bunch of people. Like in Superman, like Superman catches a, a cigarette truck to save a single life. Like he yeah. he's a lot more concerned about the the well-being of mankind. And the way Snyder treats Superman, I just don't get that feeling at all. I think he cares about Lois and I think he cares about Martha. And I think that's all that he cares about. Even in the nightmare scene where he's take he's 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 destroying the world because Lois died, I it, Superman is a lot more level headed than that, and it's really frustrating to me. Like the world needs him, and he goes off in a series of self exploration and goes back to the farm and has zero drive or zero uh, what's the urgency to go kind of save the day. Then he shows up at the right time. He goes and sees Alfred in the black suit. The scene only exists to show off the black suit. And then he shows up um, and stops Steppenwolf from, from cutting Cyborg in half. That all that all worked. The scenes worked okay for me. Uh, but overall, just the way that Zack Snyder treats the character of Clark Kent, it just doesn't. It just doesn't work for me. And I really like Henry Cavill as Superman. I think he's really, really great as as Clark Kent. I just wish he cared more about the human race in general. Right. I can't even argue with that. That's one of my irks about Man of Steel is just how much destruction there is. I know some people are like, okay, well, you can't just control everything. Okay, that's fine. But Superman can try to do a little bit more. It's kind of like when I watch The Amazing Spider-Man 2, and there's a scene where Spider-Man just lets it, a truck in the beginning chase scene kind of take out several cars, probably killing maybe one or two people, but we just kind of brush over it. So yeah, I, I do wish Snyder's Superman cared a little bit more as for the black suit. I loved it. They said he picked it because the people from Krypton, that was, that was their color was their suits that they wore. If you go back and watch man of steel, they all wore the black suits so it was just going back to him going more to his Kryptonian roots while he's kind of going through a rebirth. Superman lives. So I loved the black suit. I love that. You know, he's not the blue and red and yellow Superman just yet. So he's going through the rebirth. I think I think it looked cool. And overall, that's that's all that really matters. Your Superman needs to look cool. His fake mustache was gone. Um, <laughs> so. I, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of really great shots and we will wrap up this episode mark by some of my frustrations are is Zack Snyder leaving those breadcrumbs for the hashtag restore the Snyderverse of of Lois's pregnancy test 
on her nightstand and Snyder dropping Snyder dropping that she was pregnant and that the child would have become the next Batman. Just, I didn't enjoy them setting up a sequel that he claims he doesn't want when I believe that those were in there for the exact reason, even though Warner brothers has come out and said, restore this Snyderverse is not happening. Release the air cut is not happening. Thank goodness. But overall, those are some of my frustrations the with that i just don't personally agree and i think Zack snyder's ego kind of got the better of him in certain circumstances um but i will stand corrected and say that i i think an improvement upon this film was made and that the necessity of it may not necessarily be there but i'm glad that i watched this movie and overall i did enjoy it will i watch a um a director's cut of Suicide Squad, yeah, I'll watch it. Although they had the extended cut, didn't improve anything for me. No. Nope. So I'm not holding out any hope for that. Do I wish we could have seen more of the Snyderverse? Oh, man. I, you know, I would have gone and seen it. There's no argument there. You know, if we're not going to get it, do I hope maybe... I know HBO is, like, loving the idea of it. But, you know, maybe we'll get a graphic novel of it. Um Lois being pregnant, you know, that's been explored before in the comics. Mm-hmm. So it's an interesting storyline. As the next Batman... Is that something that's ever been explored? That's not something I'm familiar with. That's not something I'm familiar with. Maybe okay. we'll have to give that a Google. But um, I I don't know particularly... I like that idea. I like that they're thinking out of the box. Okay, you know, interesting. But how do you get from the son of Superman and Lois becoming batman i like man i hope we have like a good story development for that you know yeah and i i I, it seems like he's just kind of throwing that out there because he knows it's not ever gonna actually have like it'd be interesting to see like batman with actual superpowers my my thing is i saw the pregnancy test in the drawer and everyone automatically said oh she's pregnant i was just like maybe she took a test like I, I didn't automatically assume that she was pregnant. So that I don't one think you had to be if you don't want. Yeah, I don't think you included if you don't want if you don't want people to make that assumption. Yeah, I, I guess I never thought about it, but then you know, yeah, it's it, it created waves. It got people talking, so it did its job, I guess, right? I guess. And then the Martian Manhunter showed up as a Diane Lane. <sighs> but overall, Mark, I. I, I've said my piece. I'm not going to go back and watch it again for a little while, but I genuinely think I will watch this film again, maybe not in four hours straight. But I liked how it was cut into six chapters. I think they that he did an, a good job there. Um, I still don't love the guy's ego and everything that comes from it, um, but I liked it. Uh, one more shout-out to Ben Affleck when they're all fighting Superman. And poor Batman, who can't fly or run or do any of that. <laughs> he runs in the shot, and you hear Ben Affleck kind of winded. And I'm like, I mean, Batman had to run from Star Labs <laughs> to the action scene. So I I just caught that. And I was like, good for you, I caught Batman. that, too. That was funny. That was way funny. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm glad we got it. I hope people watch it. Take a break from the Marvel stuff. Go into this one, please, with an open mind. It's not trying to be a Marvel movie. It's trying to be a good DC movie, which I think it is. 
That concludes this episode. We thank you, fellow fans, for uniting with us. For those listeners who want to get in touch with the show, please do so. Brian, tell our listeners how they can message the show and stay up to date on everything UWF. Let us know on Instagram, biopic or biopic at unitedwefan underscore podcast. Find us on Facebook at unitedwefanthepodcast or shoot us an email at unitedwefanpodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, and definitely check us out on our UWF Plus, our live show. If you ever wondered what Brian and I look like, if we should stick to podcasting, or if you just want to join in and throw some curveball at us live, we love it. And you can always call us out live as well on that show if we're pronouncing something wrong. And also find us on Earth's Mightiest Weirdos talking about the MCU. Oh, yeah, lots of good theories there. Thank you again, and listen to us wherever you check out your podcast. Until we unite again, fans, never forget that being rich is a superpower. And if you're ever in a jam and you're not sure what to do and you're worried for your life, just say, Martha. Why did you say that name?